In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Matthew in his gospel groups the teachings of Jesus and the doings of Jesus together in big chunks. In fact, after the introduction, there's five sections that recounts Jesus' deeds and then his words. He records his acts, his miracles, his mercy, and then he records his teaching. The text that we have, Matthew chapter 8, the first 13 verses, is just after one of these big chunks of teaching. In fact, a particularly famous, maybe the most famous chunk of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just finished the sermon and, and the people, they say, marveled because He taught as one who had authority, not as the scribes taught. And they wondered to this man. Now Jesus comes off of the mountain and He begins to show that authority in practice. In fact, the section here, Matthew 8 and, 8 and 9, recounts ten miracles of Jesus that show both His authority and His compassion. Our Gospel text has the first two of these ten miracles. The healing of the leper and the healing of the centurion's servant. But before we look really in depth at the text, we want to say perhaps a few words about miracles. Because they are a little bit tricky as we consider them today. Jesus came after all to seek and to save the lost. To bear our sins. To die in our place. He came to preach the kingdom of heaven. That is to preach Himself. So that all men in all places might hear and believe and rejoice in the goodness and mercy of Christ. But these miracles are not for all people. They are the individual application of His authority as the Messiah. They, it's true, testify to who He is and that His word is truth and that His promises are sure. But sometimes in the text, it seems like the miracles and the people coming to Jesus for help are almost a deter are almost a distraction from the thing that Jesus came to do. So it is that Jesus will tell the person that He heals not to tell anybody else, because when they do, Jesus is mobbed by this huge group of people pressing in on Him, asking uh, to heal. And now, because of the mobs surrounding Him, He can't go into a certain place and teach. He can't go into a town, but has to stay in the outlying Areas. Jesus, in fact, would sometimes be up late, late into the night healing people and he would be tired. This, though, and this is, we have to be clear on this point. There is absolutely no indication in the text that Jesus gets upset or angry at these interruptions. Every single person that comes to Jesus is listened to and every single person that comes to him is helped, is healed. Jesus has compassion. And He simply, as we read through the Gospels, we see that He simply cannot refuse anyone help who comes to Him and asks. But, there is then a difficulty when we consider the Lord's miracles because these miracles are specific to the people that the Lord helped. In our case this morning, this leper and the centurion are the object of the Lord's mercy. None of us are lepers. None of us are Roman soldiers with paralyzed servants. There are plenty of things that the Lord did for us and for all people. 
He took upon Himself our sins and died in our place on the cross. He took upon Himself our flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. He teaches us about Himself and His kingdom and the church in His parables. He sends to us the Holy Spirit to keep us uh, to give us and keep us in the true faith. He will come again and rise us from the dead and give us eternal life in the resurrection uh, to all those who believe in Him that we would live before Him forever. All of this and more He does for everyone. For the world. For Christians. But this healing in the text, it was just for this leper. And it was just for this centurion and his servant. So how do we find comfort and joy in the text? Perhaps in this way. While it is true that we are not the objects of the Lord's healing of leprosy or the object of His healing from being paralyzed and sick and in great torment on a bed, we are able to stand as witnesses as as Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, puts these miracles before us, we are able to stand as witnesses to this miracle and see in them the Lord's authority and the Lord's compassion. John, after all, remember the very last verse of the Gospel of John. John says that if all the miracles of Jesus were written down in books, I suppose that the world would not be big enough to hold all of the books. So we know that Matthew chooses these, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chooses these specific miracles for us to teach us, to show us who Jesus is, and to show us how to look ourselves to the Lord Jesus for help. He puts before us in these parables the love and mercy of Jesus, who is the one who hears our prayers and answers them. First, then, we stand as witnesses to the healing of the leper. We've all heard before how terrible this disease of leprosy is and about all the trouble that's added to the leper by the law of Moses. Leprosy was a a disease of the skin. It was simply a rotting away of the flesh. It would do a couple of things, but one of the things it would do is destroy your nervous system so you no longer could feel pain, things like this. You could stub your toe or break your leg and you wouldn't know about it. And eventually, the parts of your body would simply start to fall off. Your fingers, your toes, your arms, things like this. It's kind of nasty. (laughs) But worse, perhaps... If you can be worse than that, the lepers could not go into a, into the temple or even into a city. They had to stand at a distance, and whenever anyone would come close to them, they would have to give off an alarm. This is what's required by Moses. Unclean. Unclean, they would shout, condemning themselves. And if you did not hear this warning, and if you came into contact with a leper, if you touched a leper or brushed up against a leper, then you too would be unclean and couldn't go into the city or the temple until you made provisions for your cleansing. Martin Luther always liked to compare our own sinfulness to leprosy. For just as a leper cannot feel pain, we cannot feel the depth of our own sin. And just as leprosy runs and infects the entire body, so our sin runs through all the different parts of us, corrupting our body and our mind and our soul and our desire, even our conscience. Now, we don't know anything about the leper in this text except that he had heard the word of Jesus and believed. For he falls down before Jesus and prays, quote, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
And then Jesus. The text emphasizes this. Jesus reaches out his hand and takes hold of this man. I think it says in the English that he reached out and touched him. Is that what it says? He touched Jesus. The word is different. The word is not the word for touching or brushing against. It's The word is the word to grab a hold of, to manipulate, to manhandle. Jesus grabs a hold of this leper. Imagine it. We have no idea when the last time that this leper was actually touched by a person. His whole life was making sure that no one could touch him, that he wouldn't defile another person, that he wouldn't make another person unclean. But Jesus, dear saints, your Jesus doesn't care. He reaches out and grabs a hold of this man, of his leprosy, of his uncleanness. For Jesus is the sin bearer. I will, says Jesus, be clean. And at his word, the man is cleansed. Jesus will say later, John 15, he will say to his disciples, you are already clean by the word that I have spoken to you. And that is true, dear saints, for us as well. Jesus is not afraid of your sin. He is not ashamed of you. Remember how it was in the garden when Adam and Eve ran from Jesus because of their sin? But Jesus does the opposite. He runs to you in spite of your sin. He grabs a hold of you. You cannot make yourself clean by your deeds or by your words, but He has made you clean by His Word, by His promise. And that's the lesson here for us. Then the centurion. This is a Roman captain of the guard. Comes to Jesus and finds Him and asks Him, begs Him to heal His servant who's in bed and paralyzed, suffering greatly, the text says, and about to die. Now, we should already in Matthew chapter 8 be surprised with the company that Jesus is keeping. Even in our text, He keeps company with an unclean leper and now with an unholy Roman soldier. Remember, the Romans were the invaders, the despisers of God's people, and worse, the despisers of God's word, which gave Israel the promised land. But here the Romans were making claim to have that land themselves. If the Jews at the time of Jesus knew anything about the Messiah, they knew that he would overthrow the Romans. And this was their great hope and expectation. The Messiah would come and would raise up an army among the Jews, and would fight against Rome, and would win, and would sit on the throne of David in an independent and free nation. That's who they, that's what they were expecting even of Jesus. So to give an audience to this Roman centurion is a very questionable messianic activity. But then, to say that he would go into this Gentile's house, which would make Jesus unclean, is almost treasonous. But look what happens. Jesus says to the centurion that will come and help his servant. And that centurion says, no, simply speak the word. I know about authority and I know that my own men come and go at my word and that you have even greater authority. There's something very marvelous and subtle in the texture that we might that we might miss. The centurion says, I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. But what is his servant doing? This man's servant is at home, lying on his bed, paralyzed, unable to move. 
This Roman centurion knew that he used to say to this servant, do this and he would do it, but that his authority has come to an end. He's probably been telling his servant for weeks, do this and do that, and the servant hasn't done it because they were getting sicker and sicker, and now the servant can't even get up and move. This Roman centurion would say to the servant, come and serve me, and that servant lies in bed still. But this servant says, Lord, I know authority, and I know that I have it, but I know that my authority has come to an end, but yours does not come to an end. You, Jesus, can say to the servant, rise up, and even though he's paralyzed, he will rise up. You, Jesus, can say to death, stop, and death will stop. You, Jesus, can say to life, come, and life will come for us all. What faith! And Jesus commends it. Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then... If it wasn't offensive enough for the crowds gathered around for Jesus to talk to this Roman soldier and for Jesus to offer to go to this man's house and for Jesus to commend his faith, Jesus continues, I tell you, many will come from the east and from the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is saying, this man, by his faith, is in, while you, by your unbelief, are out. Jesus did not come to establish a worldly kingdom, to reassert Jewish national power. My kingdom is not of this world, says Jesus. Jesus, your Jesus, came to establish the kingdom of heaven, the company of the redeemed whose citizenship is in the forgiveness of their sins. And Jesus sits on the throne of David by his resurrection from the dead. And his kingdom, his kingdom of grace and mercy and kindness, his kingdom is open to all from the east to the west, to the farthest reaches of the world, even and all the way to Aurora, Colorado. And the requirements for citizenship in this kingdom, it's not wealth. You don't have to be Jewish, born of Abraham. You do not have to be pure. You do not have to be clean. You do not have to be rich or well or holy or even or even good. You do not have to be strong or exalted. You only have to be forgiven. When you then, dear saints, trust the promise of Jesus, the promise that His death is for you, the promise that He and He alone is your Savior, then you are His. You are a citizen of of His kingdom. You are declared holy and clean and righteous by His authority, by His compassion, by His word. Dear saints, your Jesus loved this leper and He loved this centurion and His servant and He loves you And that love, and that mercy, and that compassion, that is our hope, and our peace, and our joy.
now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.